0: We've only just.
1: Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to Living Color Abroad. I'm your host, Angel Rodriguez. And on this episode, you'll be listening to Mika, who is living abroad in South Korea. And Mika is going to discuss what it's like to start a family abroad. Mika moved to South Korea, met the man of her dreams got married and is now the mother of a beautiful little girl and she discusses the intricacies of being in an interracial relationship and marriage how she plans to raise her child with western and eastern values black culture and korean culture and why she started the black moms collective which is dedicated to black moms of multicultural korean families in south korea hope you enjoy this is a living color abroad Hey, Mika, welcome to In Living Color Abroad. How you doing?
0: Doing all right. Hope everything's good with you over on the other side.
1: <laughs> yeah, the other side of the world, right? And for those that are listening, yeah. there's a 15 hour time difference between South Korea <laughs> and Costa Rica. Quite, this might be the biggest time difference of anyone that I've had on the podcast. So uh, thank yes. you for taking the time. <laughs> it is what? It yeah, is 12 no p.m. Um, Thursday there?
0: It's 12 12- p.m. Yes, yeah, 12 p.m. Thursday over here. Yes,
1: and 9 p.m. Wednesday. <laughs> wow. Yeah, kind of <laughs> crazy. But anyways, so tell us a little, a little bit about yourself, Mika.
0: Um. All right. So I, I'm originally from the suburbs of Atlanta, Georgia, um, smaller town called Cartersville, and I came to South Korea in 2014. Um. So I've been here for. In August, I will have been here for six years. Wow. Um, I'm an English teacher over here. Well, currently on maternity leave, but normally I'm an English teacher over here, and I also um, I used to have a blog. Currently on hiatus, the Soul Child, and um, I'm also the creator of a new a new collective called Black. Moms collective over here about black moms and multicultural Korean families. Awesome. So that's kind of, and then in the meantime, I'm taking care of a nearly 11 week old baby. So,
1: that <laughs> congratulations, <too>. that's amazing! <laughs> thank you, thank you, appreciate it. So, let, let's just start right at the beginning. Uh, why Korea?
0: Um, oh, that's a question. Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, so. When I was, um, before I came to Korea, I was in Chicago um, doing my master's in fine arts. And I knew that I was probably going to be a teacher eventually. Um, but I was thinking at the time, it was, com- I was probably going to be more of a teacher of like, you know, at university level mm-hmm. at some point. Um, but, you know, at the time I was like, well, maybe I'll go into teaching now, but I'm probably not going to start teaching in the states yet i kind of want to travel a little bit so i got my celta which is kind of like the high step up tefl i guess like the high grade tefl Mm -hmm. and um i was like you know what where do i want to go um when i was a baby my parents and i lived in japan until i was like five years old oh wow so but so I knew I didn't want to go there because I'd already been there. Mm. And, you know, I didn't at the time, I didn't have the desire to want to go to China either. But I would had some friends like my college roommate and a neighborhood friend of mine who had gone to Korea to teach. And they both really liked it. So I was like, well, let me do my research and um, see what pops up. And, you know, I did my research and I decided that I liked it especially if I was able to be placed in Seoul. And, you know, I applied through the EPIC program, which is the big teacher placement program over here, and got through, and luckily I got my first choice city. And basically I had my master's degree in May, and I was over here in August pretty much.
1: Wow, that's pretty. So I was going to ask you about your family's reactions, but I'm sure it was was fine because they live...
0: Well, see, that's what you would think. But, <laughs> like, you know, I'm my parents' only child. I'm the only one. So um, I was, my mom, I think secretly she really wasn't thrilled at me being so far away. But she was very much like, you know, you want to go to Korea. So that's cool. Go ahead and go. And But my dad, you know, I, I would have thought my dad would have been the coolest out of out of anybody. But he had gotten word from his, like, former colleagues and stuff his former Japanese colleague well not Japanese colleagues but colleagues who worked in Mm. Japan like uh Korea is really racist over there um she shouldn't go and you know they don't like women either they shouldn't go and he was basically trying to put his foot down and be like you're not gonna go over there I'm like look I'm almost 30 years old you can't tell me what to do so I packed my bags and I left you know oh wow ultimately was cool with it, yeah. and he, and you know he's been over here a couple of times, and my mom came when it was time for me to have the baby and stuff like that, and you know they seem to really enjoy it over here. So you know, I mean, almost six years later, I mean, what are you going to <laughs> what are you gonna do at that yeah. point? So, but you know, after you know after me leaving initially, other than the you know the amount the space between us, um, they have been. You know, cool with my decision after
1: that. So. Got gotcha. you. So let, let's talk a little bit more about your parents because I, I have not uh, interviewed anyone that's you know obviously this podcast is a living Color Abroad any person of color right whose parents have also like lived abroad besides obviously if they're whether yeah. right, they're the first generation. So why were why were they in Japan?
0: Um. So. Huh. So actually, my dad was
1: a professional baseball player in japan really that's dope as hell what's his name (laughs) his name
0: well his name is gregory wells but he went by the nickname boomer
1: in japan okay
0: um he started you know he'd been playing sports like all of his life and you know he started in the major and the minor leagues in the States, like, he did, like, minor league ball in, like, Venezuela, you know, he did, like, summer league ball mm-hmm. in, like, Venezuela and places like that, so he was used to, like, traveling to, like, other places to play ball, like, during summer, mm-hmm. and, you know, he played in the states, played in the major leagues, Um, you know, like, a couple of seasons, and, you know, a season or two with the Blue Jays, a season with, um, I want to say minnesota i'm now i was blanking the twins minnesota twins yeah yeah i was like i i didn't want to say the twins because now i'm not sure if it's the twins he would probably get so mad at me (laughs) that i forgot um but anyway not the blue jays but his last team i want to say it was minnesota okay and you know he ended up getting basically getting his contract sold over to the japanese league
1: that's crazy so he
0: and my mom in i want to say 82 they moved over to japan in 82 they got married in 1980 and then they moved over there in 82 and he played um pro in japan for 10 years
1: wow
0: for 10 years yeah
1: that's so cool though and and where do they live now
0: um they're back in georgia they live in cartersville Um, My mom is originally from the Cartersville area, and my dad's from Alabama. Okay. Um, But um, ultimately, they settled after he—when he was on the tail end of his baseball career, they decided to settle in Cartersville, Um, and so that's where— our family has been stationed ever since. Mm. And that's been like nearly 30 years. So,
1: That is such an interesting story, like background right there. That is so cool. Like.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of like, and that's kind of like what um, inspired me to like travel and, you know, want to live abroad because, you know, we, you know, my parents, you know, black couple in the eighties mm-hmm. living in Japan of all places, you know, it was like, yeah. you know, they can do that. And thrive really you know so were you born I? in japan no i was actually born in that's a funny story so <laughs> um when my parents were in japan when my mom got pregnant and my mom didn't want to have her baby in Japan. Oh. So she pretty much like she found out she was pregnant one week and the next week she was on like the, the, the soonest place she could get to go back to Georgia. <laughs> She's like, I want to have the baby at home. So she went home oh, and wow. she basically, you know, stayed like the rest of my dad's baseball season into the next season. um, waiting for me to come. So I was actually born in Georgia
1: in oh, Marietta. Wow. Okay. and then
0: we came back over when I was about, mm, Three months old we went back to Japan
1: so what memories do you have of Japan growing up like from oh, one to five
0: like um you know I was pretty young but I do remember um went to a nursery school over there we were stationed in um Kobe in Kobe Japan because he played in Nishinomiyaki Stadium which is between Kobe and Osaka that's okay. where his baseball team was and um so, we lived in Kobe for the entirety of when I was there when he got traded to another city. um my mom and I had moved back to the states already for the most part um got but it. I remember we went to a nursery school, and I was one of maybe two non Japanese kids in my class. It was me, and then there was like a boy um and then the rest of and then the rest of the students were japanese and um You know, I have a memory of thinking that my mom had left me in the house by myself as a toddler. So I like put on some clothes and I went to look for her and I actually like left the apartment and walked down the street (laughs) and went to the supermarket and she had not left the house at all. So when she came to check on me, I was gone.
1: Oh my god. Can't imagine I
0: remember that actually really vividly. (laughs) She doesn't know that, but I did I was maybe like three. But you know, I have like good memories. Um, You know, we lived like up on a hill, so we would my mom and I would like walk down to like the shopping district and like you know eat and stuff like that. And and you know, I went to my dad's games and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I remember it as a fun time. You know, being yeah. in Japan.
1: So that is so cool. That's really, that's a really interesting background. So now let's let's fast forward. Now you're in Korea, right? You're teaching. Yeah. And obviously, the, and, you know, when I got in contact with Mika, for those that are listening, I found out she was a mom. I thought that was really cool and really important because I have not spoken to anyone that's a parent that's living abroad <laughs> currently. So, I, so let's start off. Where did you meet the love of your life? When did that happen?
0: <laughs> oh, man. Um, so let's just, let's start with me getting ready the summer before I was going to go to Korea. My mom and I were getting ready for me to go. Okay. I wasn't expecting to be here for longer than a year or two because, you know, I was, I was getting, you know, I was 28. So I was starting to think seriously about, okay, you know, and maybe it's time for me to think about like, you know, after I have this travel, get this travel bug out to start like settling down and
1: Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm.
0: And I was like, you know, I told my mom, you know, you read all of the blogs and stuff and watch YouTube you know YouTube videos about like black people's experiences in Korea and they vary from being like awesome experiences to being totally crappy experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, either they're awesome, like they're in a place everybody's nice or, you know, everything's so easy. I love Korean food. I love this. I love that. Or to the awful, you know, ev- you know, people look at me strangely. They put their hands in my hair. Um, I have racist co-workers, all that kind of stuff. But kind of a unified front, you know, a unified opinion among like black women was that for in the dating pool, we're kind of on the bottom of the totem pole. So, I told my mom, "Yeah, I'm expecting to, you know, go dateless for the next one or two years. <laughs> I'm and, and I'm, you know I'll be here for a year or two, and then I'm gonna, you know move on and you know maybe I'll come back, maybe I won't. So I left in August. in October <laughs> in October, my friends and I went to a bar, and I sat down beside this guy who was celebrating his birthday. But his friends had left him, and he was by himself. What? And we kind of got to talking. And we got to talking. And at the time, his English was a lot worse than it is now. So we had one of my friends who spoke good enough Korean who could translate between us. And we ultimately exchanged numbers. And I left there going, "Uh, he's never going to, he's not going to message me back. So I completely forgot. That he, that we had exchanged numbers and the next day he had texted me, I guess through like a, like a translation app saying, Hey, do you want to go to this? Do you want to go over to this neighborhood? I'll take you, I'll meet you there and we can, I can show you around. I was like, Oh, okay. And I went and we went on a date and I thought he was, you know, even for the little Korean that he spoke, the little English that he spoke, he was, you know, he was funny. Mm. and so you know we kind of you know dated on and off for a couple of months and then you know around the new year that next year we made it official and then you know in 2018 we got married I was like wow you know we kind of look back and we were like did you have to think we were going to get married no okay (laughs) So, neither of us thought that, you know, that would have led to us getting married, you know, four years after we met. Had no idea.
1: Let me tell you something. That so, That is the best love story I've ever heard so far. <laughs> his birthday. He's at a bar yeah. by his damn self because his terrible friends left him there. Yes, yeah,
0: his, his friends <laughs> left him there. They had, like, you know, they had been drinking and stuff. And oh I guess his friends God. had started to, like, peter out. And yeah. he just kind of stayed. He just kind of <laughs> stayed there. Like okay, wow. So you know the friends who I was with, who I'm still friends with to this day. They're in. We're all in different places now. Mm. They take all the credit. Of
1: course, I would too. Shit. They're like
0: (laughs) because they were like they were saying they had been saying you know if you get married and you have children we're taking all the credit we get to be aunties automatically because we're the one. It's because of us. That's right. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, you're right. So. They, wow. they don't do not let me forget that.
1: <laughs> so so explain to me. Okay, so this is this is mm-hmm. now this is very very intriguing. So explain to me how would you <laughs> how would you explain dating in Korea? Like dating a Korean man. What is that like?
0: Oh, um. So I kind of like got lucky because not well, maybe not so much lucky, but <laughs> I kind of you know missed out on the absolute wonders that that make up the dating in korea um so like our our stories like you know especially for a korean really unusual Mm because koreans usually they um if they want to meet somebody usually they get set up by their friends Mm -hmm. or like you know their moms or something like that so basically what happens is that for a korean it's not as often anymore, but this is still like the best way. They feel like this is the best way to meet someone through what they call team which is like group meetup, like a group date. So it'd be like, you know, three, you know, three girlfriends meet three guy friends. And then they like <laughs> so- have like a date. That'd be like the first couple of dates and stuff like that. And that's typically like the, you know, considered like the best way to meet somebody. Because, you know, if you, you know, if you get the okay. From your friends, that means they're a good egg, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, for foreigners, for foreigners, it's a little bit different. Well, not a little bit, a lot of it different. Some will, you know, have the advantage of having Korean friends who are cool enough to take them so <laughs> get to team. But for a lot, for um, a good bit of foreigners, some people go through Tinder, which is like just. A, hot, that is like a hot bat, bed of trash, from what I've heard. You know, you have different types of dating apps over here, mm-hmm. but, you know, on the whole, um, you know, and also you have what are called hunter bars, which is when, you know, you go to this club bar place, and if, like, you know, as a woman, if a man likes you, and he's sitting at a table with his boys, he'll, like, send over a drink or something like that, and like you the kind of, like, <laughs> need that way. Yeah, exactly. Um... But that's kind of like in general, mm-hmm. you know, those are just a few examples of how dating is here. But a lot of foreign women were, you know, are kind of are of the impression that dating for the most part as a foreign woman, especially if you don't speak Korean or don't speak a lot of Korean. But even if you do, um, it's kind of trash.
1: So. Mm. And do you speak any Korean?
0: Um, I speak enough to live my life. I'm not fluent by I'm not fluent by any means, but I can live my life. Probably the most advanced Korean I know is Korean enough Korean to go to the doctor's office mm. um, and to go to the bank if I need to do anything that's like bureau, you know, that's related to bureaucracy. That's what my husband is for. <laughs> that's the type of Korean I have. Like, I, my Korean is not high enough for that. He's, he says that even his Korean is not high enough for that. <laughs> so
1: it's like... And, and what does he do for a know, living?
0: He is, works in facility management here. So, you okay. know, he's one of the people that's in charge of, like, you know, fire safety stuff in, you know, big office buildings.
1: Got stuff. it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. So tell me, what was the reaction of... Your family, mm-hmm. when you said one, you're getting married, and two, you're getting mm-hmm. married to a Korean guy. What was their reaction?
0: Um, so I had been talking about him since we had been dating. Oh. um, and I'm lucky enough to have parents who, at least my mom, you know, parents who are pretty progressive. Um, because I don't know, they they took it well. You know, my you know my mom is like your typical mom, like you know, when I was talking about his dating, she's like. Uh, all right, but you know, <laughs> we had been together, you know we had been together long enough at the point when we got engaged and we agreed to get married mm. that like my mom was happy, and my dad was basically like you know he he said that he probably would have been surprised if we didn't get married, like at that point. we had mm. been together for that long, we had been together for almost four years at that point, got and it. um. But like they had never met him face to face. So the right before we we actually got married in the States because I um, wanted to take him to the United States. You know, he had never been to America before. Um, The only overseas trip, he, the only international trip he had ever taken up to that point was to Thailand. Mm. Um, So he had never really been out of the country like that before. So we stayed in America for mm, two and a half months with my parents. Oh, so that was wow. the first time that they had actually like met him. And I basically, and they knew we were engaged already, but I kind of sprung it on my mom. <laughs> we had taken a trip, and I sprung it on my mom. I'm like, eh, "We're thinking of getting married over here." She looked at me. She was like, "Um, excuse me." I was like, "Yeah, we're <laughs> thinking of getting married over here because we weren't going to have like a big Korean ceremony and stuff uh-huh. like that." And she was just like, "Um." why didn't you say anything before? I'm like, oh, I was just waiting for the right time to spring it up. <laughs> yeah, we were planning to get married. So basically, we put together, you know, we did like a courthouse wedding, but we had to put stuff together. So basically, I told her that we were going to get married here and like the next week, we got married. Oh. Like we, we, my dad took him to get a to get a suit. I went and I got my ended up getting my own suit and my mom made the flowers and you know all that kind of stuff and we ended up getting married like a week after i told her and wow. we just went did it what yep. a
1: beautiful thing yeah and hopefully this gives us uh, some inspiration and hope to my friends that live in abroad that are also single <laughs> <laughs> like
0: I, you know like i said it, it's I always, I always hesitate, and I'm not one of those people who try, who does the kind of what I think condescending. Oh, it'll happen when it happens and stuff like that. <laughs> because I admit, because I admit that for the, you know, for my experience in meeting my husband is granted unique, mm. especially for here, you know. So you know i'm not going to be like oh you you know you just need to like you need to just (laughs) let love happen and stuff like that just you know like yeah if it if it happens if it happens abroad it happens abroad and for a few and and for quite a few people it does but if it doesn't it's okay you know that means you can like live your life and drink whatever you want to drink and (laughs) whatever you want to do and stuff like that i mean that's the the
1: boat that's the boat i'm in right now
0: (laughs) Well, I be, now that I have a baby, I do less of that. But you know, live, live your life,
1: and you know, whatever happens, happens. You know, yeah, no, that's <laughs> so so, what what is it like being? Because yeah. obviously, you know, in, a, in the states, you know, you, you think about interracial relationships are, you know, whether it's a black man or white women or vice versa or anybody, right? Yeah. Any different races. Yeah. What is that like in Korea though? Is I'm assuming that's not as common.
0: <laughs> um no, uh, Korea is kind of going through, um this kind of change well a gradual change right now that they're gradually becoming more of an aged country Mm. so which means like the majority of the population here in korea is starting to be elderly people because fewer and fewer um younger people are getting married and having children i think they um this the generation that's my husband's age and younger because we're in our mid-30s my husband's age and um younger they're called like i want to say the sample or the sample generation sample generation which means you know considering the financial state of young people in korea today they have to forego three things in order to live a comfortable life and one of them is marriage you know a family Mm -hmm. life like Mm -hmm. getting married and having kids um and you know a lot of younger people these more and more younger people these days don't really see any kind of an advantage to getting married and having kids because it's too expensive Mm -hmm. and considering how um competitive the education system is the education system is here in korea you know if you want to keep up with the joneses you have to shell out all this money for your kids to go to like cram schools for different subjects so Mm. and and you know going to english kindergarten like if you want your kid to know to learn english if you're korean and you want your kid to learn english a lot of you know parents like shell out like 10 grand a year to send their their little kid to an english kindergarten so education in order to be up on the top costs a lot of money Mm -hmm. and um you know a lot of younger people these days you know don't want to spend all of that money so that their kid can succeed they would rather have you know either have enough of a good financial standing to have children or they would rather spend that money on themselves, which I totally don't blame them for. Um, you know, so Korea is trying, the government is trying more and more to encourage, you know, more people to have children, which kind of spills over into, um, Koreans and foreigners who are in multicultural marriages. mm mm-hmm. Interracial marriages, so you know we get like some subsidies and stuff um, for having children or for being in a multicultural, you know, multicultural relationship. Um, but it is kind, it is still kind of unique because the most common marriages here, you know, interracial marriages here, like Koreans and Chinese people, or Koreans and Southeast Asian mm-hmm. people. Um, you don't see. Um, you know, is growing, but you don't see as many Korean Western marriages. And mm. if you do, they're primarily um, Korean and white. That's so, so, for
1: sure. so take us through. Obviously, you know, speak to yeah. mothers anywhere, right? Like, yeah, you know, motherhood is obviously a very yes. beautiful thing. But what challenges yeah. do you see? Obviously, we're in a very unprecedented time of the coronavirus that happened, right? That is yeah. happening around the world. But what other right. challenges do you see, or do you foresee with raising your child um being that you know again you you are an, an expat or whatever now you're living in, in south korea and you're yeah. pres- gonna presumably raise your child in south korea are you, yeah. do you do you think about like okay what uh standards what uh you know am i looking at this from a western outlook like wh- how do you see it like raising a child with someone from the east and you are from the west mm-hmm. how do you guys go about that in that that, that thought process um,
0: i had um, a friend of mine she has her own she has a child with a Korean man and I kind of kind of took from her what we plan to do is you know I eventually one just you know I don't feel 100% comfortable putting her in you know in school here through the Korean educational system. I kind of think it's too restrictive mm. and I think there's too much pressure. Um, kids are put under so much pressure to do well and that has such adverse effects on kids um, so it had always kind of been our idea that probably by the time she was old enough to like go to elementary school that we would go back to the states and put her through school in the states you um, could put her through international school here but international school costs a lot
1: of money <laughs> I'm sure <they> um, <laughs> I work at one so, <laughs> um,
0: but um You know, I kind of, you know, she lives in a Korean society, so she's surrounded by all things Korea while she's here. But I definitely, you know, I don't, I want her to have an equal standing in both of her cultures because she's not one and she's not the other, she's both. Mm -hmm. Um, So we kind of go through a method, and the method that they it has a particular name but the name escapes me where you know he speaks to her only in korean and i speak to her only in english mm. so we kind of like and then you know with each other we speak to each other however we speak to each other you know in our mm-hmm. normal in the normal way that we speak to each other mm. and you know we kind of just right now she's too you know right now she's still yeah. really young of course but you know once she gets older You know, it's just kind of like a make it work moment where, you know, because we are from different we're from different cultures and from different backgrounds. She gets she still gets um, equal understanding of both Mm. and that she'll be able to not necessarily go between two worlds, but she'll have an equal understanding and an equal love for both her Korean culture and black culture. Um, you know, these days I'm like, I've been really kind of into listening to the music that I was listening to with my parents. I grew up on like oldies, R&B and stuff like that, like Quiet Storm and, you know, disco and stuff like that. So we've been like totally, you know, during these like, well, these self-isolation days, we've been kind of like listening to a lot of like old school old school music and stuff like that her and I Mm. and you know I think it's just a matter of being able to make sure you know constantly reinforce values from each culture so that she you know when she gets older she'll have a firm understanding of where both of her parents came from really you know like I said here she'll be, she's in an environment that's totally Korean. Like, totally Korean, except in the house, like, with Mm -hmm. me. You know, that'll be, that's the only time that really, she really gets kind of any um, American, Black American influence. And then, you know, when she gets older, you know, it's going to be easier for her with me in the house to learn English than to learn Korean because I have kind of like a, those kind of strong silent type kind of husbands. So, you know, she goes to school, you know, she'll be speaking more Korean, but, you know, I I hope that, you know, she will be able to, you know, have an equal understanding of both.
1: Yeah. Of both of us. And I think it definitely will work given yeah, given what you're saying, because like I, for example, My parents are from Dominican Republic. They're immigrants from the Dominican Republic, Mm -hmm. Went moved to New York City. And growing up, I spoke Spanish at home because that's all they knew. (laughs) So I spoke to my parents in Spanish, but in school, I would speak English and to my brothers. So naturally, I was bilingual. I was speaking both English and Spanish at the same time, depending on the situation. So I'm assuming that your husband is more comfortable speaking in Korean so he would yes. speak to his daughter in Korean and obviously he must be speaking yes. English. So I think naturally she will be bilingual, which is an amazing thing.
0: That's, <laughs> and see, that's what, and see, that's what I'm, happy, that's what I'm hoping because my friend of mine, her daughter is five years old and she just, she just slips between Korean and English depending on who she's talking to. Mm-hmm. And she's only started to really understand what she's doing because she used to do it with no understanding that she was speak that she was switching between two languages. Yeah. So if she turned to her dad, she would speak to him in Korean. And then when she would turn to her mom to say something to her mom, she would just automatically turn to English. Like but she didn't really think about it. Hmm. And I think, you know, now she's 5 years old and she's getting to the point that she's kind of starting to understand now wait a minute. They're speaking two different languages. Now wait a minute. Oh, I didn't know that <laughs> I didn't know that um you know, I don't I didn't know that Auntie Mika could speak Korean too. Like she mm-hmm. only knows me as speaking English, so when she hears me speak Korean, she looks so confused, she's like, wait a minute, you speak Korean <laughs> you know, like she's looking at me like, Wait, yeah. you speak Korean I'm like Ooh. And so, you know, it's I you know, I took inspiration from, you know, the way that my friend brought up her five year old, say, Hey, mm. I think my I think my baby could do this too, you know, be able to, you know, speaks in Korean with her dad and then speaks in English to me, even though he, you know, these days, an increasing amount of, like, Koreans have, like, you know, they speak what, they have, like, words that are like they call it konglish which is basically like korean words derived from english words so mm. instead of like ice cream it's like ice okay. he starts like speaking in like a mixture of korean and i'm like stop stop just please <laughs> please speak to her please speak to her korean because <laughs> he'll be like saying random english words in his sentences i'm like wait 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 you you know the korean word though.
1: please,
0: please speak to her korean <laughs> so it's like that's gonna be the hardest part is trying to enforce you know yeah. that he speaks only Korean. <laughs> that he speaks only Korean to her. Like don't yeah. speak to her the way that you speak to me.
1: Speak yeah. to her the
0: way that you speak. You know normally. Yeah. You know if I'm not around.
1: Of course. So. So on but, a um, on, a, fi- on yeah. a final note, Mika, what are you what are yes. you most looking forward to in motherhood and in living abroad? Because I'm sure those things are obviously both together or tandem.
0: <laughs> Ooh, so. I, you know, for her, I just want her to, you know, I don't know, looking at her, you know, who knows what the world is going to be like in, you know, five years, you know? But I want her, I want her to, I, I hope that we are able to teach her to have a strong enough set of ideals this to have the fortitude to be able to navigate both the korean and black american worlds so that she doesn't feel like she's getting lost in the shuffle i mean all kids go through identity crises but Mm -hmm. you know i can only imagine what that is like for a biracial child i don't have experience being biracial Mm -hmm. her dad doesn't have experience being biracial either So there's only so much that we can help her with that, you know, when, if she does go through that struggle when she gets older, but I hope that we are able to instill in her enough confidence and enough, I guess enough of, of, of for, you know, help her encourage her to not be afraid to explore either of these cultures and not be afraid of any kind of challenges that she might see within either one of those cultures. I think, you know, be able to navigate both without feeling like she has to choose one or the other. Cause she doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, in this day and age, she doesn't, yeah. um, she can, she can be confidently, you know, she can be confidently grounded in both cultures if she wants to, I want her to see that. Um, you know, I know here it's kind of going to be hard because here it's like one or the other type of a deal. Yeah. And especially here, you know, with her being mixed with black, um, she will probably go through, you know, the kind of <laughs> she'll go through the she wants she'll to be go heard. through the Yeah, she wants to be here. She's like, Me, talk to me. But no, she'll she'll probably will go through some you know, and me as her mother, of course, will probably go through some kind of you know some experiences, maybe some challenges that maybe a child who was mixed in white with um you know with European wouldn't go through necessarily. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, but you know, I don't want that to be the only thing that she knows are struggles mm-hmm. in that way um oh, yeah. and I hope that living abroad in the future, you know, that there is more awareness here about, you know, the fact that there are, you know, cho- you know, children here that, you know, want to be a part of the community but still keep their identities. That's part of the reason why um, I wanted to create the Black Moms Collective because, you know, of mixed-race kids, you don't see a lot of, you know, you don't see a lot of Black mixed race. Because now, you know, you have a couple of models who are becoming popular that are mixed with Black. But the thing about it is, is that, you know, in the Black Korean mixed families, the Black counterpart, parent, kind of gets erased. Like, you see, you if you see, like, a Black family that has children that are Black Korean mixed the advocate is usually the mom and the mom is usually Korean. Mm. And then whether you see the dad, the black dad or not, you know, a lot of the times you don't, but you know, a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't assume, you know, a lot of people assume that there aren't, that the opposite is not true that there aren't Korean men and black women, but there are, and we're out there.
1: I hope you enjoyed that uh episode with mika i really did it's really cool to hear someone that moved abroad they didn't think that they were gonna date and end up getting married and having a child together i mean that's just wild but also amazing to hear right and then she met him on his birthday at a bar i mean that's you, you, you can't make that shit up <laughs> truth is stranger than fiction it really is and it's also cool how she started this uh movement the black moms collective to uh To show that there's black moms and multicultural relationships and marriages in Korea. You know, I think that's a really cool thing to show that it it could happen, even though, you know, it's it's not the majority, but it's there. Right. And it, it should be known. And yeah. So on next week's episode, I'm going to be talking to Terry, who is a physiotherapist living in New Zealand. Now, Terry is from Jamaica. And she moved to New Zealand with her husband and their son. And she's going to discuss just life in New Zealand and comparing it to Jamaica. Really interesting and cool episode. Stay tuned for that one. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Spotify and any of your other streaming platforms. See you next week. This is Living Color Abroad. Peace.